Hey everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Industry Show. I'm your host Nitin Bajaj, and joining us today is Sundaresh Subramanian, popularly known as Sundi. <laughs> Sundi, thanks for having us here. It's a beautiful day here in Santa Clara, and I'm glad you've chosen to spend it with us. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. So, let's uh, get started in 90 seconds. Okay. Tell us your journey up to this point. Wow. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. <laughs> Born in Chennai, raised in Kolkata, schooling at St. Lawrence, followed by B.Tech at IIT Madras, then to upstate New York at Cornell for a master's. First job in Silicon Valley, California, mm -hmm. with National Semiconductor. Back to Philadelphia for an MBA at Wharton. Mm -hmm. Then back to California with Hewlett-Packard for eight years. And on that journey, did a stint in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean, and then back to California and been here for the last 30 years. Nice. And went through HP, a couple of mid-sized companies, including mm -hmm. Adaptech, mm -hmm. and then four startups. And the last few years, I've been on the board of several startups and uh, running a couple of startups as well. Amazing. So that's the journey to date. Wow, that's phenomenal. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Uh, so you tried escaping from California, but it brings you back. <laughs> <laughs> now California has this amazing draw. When I did the first stint in Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. I decided for a techie like me, this was the place to be. Yeah. So it didn't matter where the journey took me, it was back here. Yes. Yeah. So amidst all this travel, uh, what's your favorite city? Well, my favorite place is Yosemite National Park. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Can't beat my that. favorite city yeah. in the memories is still Kolkata. Uh, okay. Just something yeah. warm and delightful about that place and yeah. still in my memories. That's still home. It's still home. Yeah. Uh, so this is our rapid fire questions. Okay. okay. Um, don't think too much. <laughs> <laughs> What's the favorite store that you shop at a lot? Whole Foods. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. Uh, something you wish you own, something you own but you wish you didn't? My timeshare. <laughs> We've heard that one before. In fact, Such from a waste of time. <laughs> 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 well, you're sharing your time. That's the <laughs> concern. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite activity or sport? Swimming. Oh, yeah. You missed yeah. that one. Today I missed that us. this morning. Yeah. Well, thanks again for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you want to be reborn as? I wouldn't. Oh. It's well, been a great life. <laughs> that's the whole point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one person that you have met or you would like to meet? Bill Gates. Love to meet him. Any specific reason? Any question that uh, you ask him? Well, he's just this amazing entrepreneur yes. who was one of the few who took it from yeah. an, an idea all the way to scaling it into a multi-billion dollar business. Yes. And then he transformed the philanthropy in a yes. huge way. Uh, I think making uh, a huge impact. Yeah, and he's yes. making a huge impact, so I think there's something wonderful about that. Yes, agreed. Okay, so you shared it, your, your journey in like less than 60 seconds, but we'll give you 30 extra seconds for that. Okay. Uh, tell us what Sinara does. Sinara develops insights about people mm -hmm. uh, based on their offline uh, location visit behavior. Okay. And we apply that to advertising, marketing, and business use cases. Mm -hmm. So essentially what you're doing is, instead of tracking someone online, you're, you're actually tracking them in the physical world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we are tracking them in the physical world uh, 
in aggregate mm -hmm. and in an anonymized way. Right. Yeah. Not not me individually, but as a as you an as part of a group. Correct. As a, as a group with common interests right. and uh, common uh, approaches to things. Attributes. Attributes, so if you will. Right. Yeah. Uh, and in this process, you're collecting a lot of data, you're doing a lot of analysis, you're providing, you're pretty much building a market space for one on, on one end for advertisers, but on the other end for the telecom companies to monetize their data. Is that's, that that's correct. Right. So if, if data is the new oil, yeah. right, who are these different players? Who, who are the telecom companies? Who are the customers and what, what is Sonara? How do they fit in in the, yeah. you know, the pipeline refinery kind of analogy. Okay. Uh, trying to tie it to an old world industry yes. is interesting. <laughs> so if you think about telecom companies, mm -hmm. uh, they're the reservoir of data. Right. So you can think of them as the oil reservoirs mm -hmm. tied to drilling mm -hmm. and bringing that out. Yeah. Uh, Sinara is more like a refinery. We, mm -hmm. we take that data, we analyze it, develop the insights, mm -hmm. And then the advertisers, marketers are kind of the pipeline delivery yeah. mechanism. They're using that those insights mm -hmm. to achieve some business outcomes. Okay, makes sense. I I didn't think you would be able to fit all of them, <laughs> but you did. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> it was an interesting uh, question. Trying to take something new in yeah. the tech world to yeah. apply it to an old analogy. Yes, in, that in has oil. existed for for almost hundred years. Yeah. Uh, give us a sense of. The, the scope and the scale of operations of Sinara, it's, I mean. Uh, Sinara is a startup, right. but it's an unusual startup. Right. Uh, we have close to 60 people, mm -hmm. uh, and the company has sites distributed between Russia, Japan, and the US, mm -hmm. which is pretty rare for a startup right. at this stage of the game. Yeah. Uh, we are single digit millions in revenues, mm -hmm. and uh, since the original founders were Russian, we set up a development center mm -hmm. in Russia and a development center in the U.S. and product resources, et cetera, in the U.S. so we could tap venture capital here mm -hmm. as well. It just turned out that the first partner uh, we managed to get uh, was SoftBank Corp in, in Japan. A small company. A small company. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that led to sales development in Japan. Mm -hmm. So we've been commercial in Japan since 2015 right. and have had revenues since. There were currently high single digit millions in revenues. In your Series B? Series B. Right. So you could think of it as a stage where we have product validation, right. we have customers, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't have the scale yet. Right. So, so we're still uh, wrestling with the issues of that ideal product market yeah. fit where we'll get the velocity. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, so you actually came out of semi-retirement to take this opportunity. I mean, you were, you were yeah. not actively looking to do something, but then you just kind of come out, and so why, what what drove you to this? <laughs> well, one, it was just, uh, I love to learn. Yes. It was one of the things that keeps me going, and this was different enough mm -hmm. that I said, hey, I can bring the, the common learnings about how to build and grow a team and build and grow a startup to a domain that was different from me, mm -hmm. different from what I had experienced mm -hmm. before. Yeah. So that meant I could bring some skills to the table but I would also learn about something yeah. uh, I'd never considered before. Right. So kind to of appeal to your entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. It appeal to my sense of learning. Right. Uh, I, I just love learning new things and growing. So if you look at my career and the way I, whether mm -hmm. switched locations or companies, yeah. often they were, while 
the core of it was in hardware and systems. Mm -hmm. uh, they were all slightly different, uh, sometimes in their business model, sometimes mm -hmm. in their go-to-market. Yeah. So I look for something different because that's an opportunity for me to learn. It's a new challenge. It's, it's a new challenge. Up. It puts yeah. you in that yeah. discomfort zone where... E exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, nice. So I don't like being in the comfort zone because right. then it gets boring. Yep. <laughs> I, I completely feel you. Um, so you were, you were the CEO of a public company, Adaptic, right? Right. There was uh, some activist shareholder activity right. over there that kind of led to a sale to, what was it, PMC Sierra? Uh, right. It's not a common thing for for a entrepreneur or for a leader yeah. to experience. Right. Were there any learnings or insights that uh, came out of that experience that you can share with us? Yeah, uh, it was an unusual situation. Yes. Uh, Adaptech was a company I'd worked at before in the 90s mm -hmm. in a, a very successful phase of the company. Right. And uh, I grew with it, the company grew, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Mid-2000s, uh, the company was going in the wrong direction. And so the board approached me about taking the helm mm -hmm. to, to right the ship. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing I learned is uh, uh, restructuring a company uh, when it's Not public <laughs> is incredibly hard. Yeah and uh, everything is scrutinized. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I have to take my hat off to Satya Nadella. The, the mm -hmm. way he yes. has basically uh, yes. redirected the company in such mm -hmm. a short time is just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but in, in my case, I was trying to do this as the revenues were falling. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, as part of that, I divested some businesses and built the cash mm -hmm. uh, on the balance sheet. For sustenance. For sustenance, yeah. and, and that attracted a bunch of activist shareholders mm -hmm. who came into the company mm -hmm. and tried to force a sale. And uh, initially we resisted that and uh, convinced them to work with us mm -hmm. on rebuilding the company. But eventually 2008 crash happened and yeah. by 2009 they were getting pressure also mm -hmm. and eventually there was another round of a proxy fight uh, that eventually led to the sale of the company to PMC Sierra. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was not, in my view, a fun experience. Uh, mm -hmm. I love working with teams, uh, mm -hmm. building products, dealing with customers, and, and all of that. And that's where the fun is in mm -hmm. any business. Yeah. Uh, this was dealing with a very different dynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't enjoyable, and as everything else, you learn from it. Right. Uh, you understand uh, the nuances of business model structures, what matters to public investors, mm -hmm. et cetera. So, so I came away with a lot of learnings. Right. Uh, but definitely wouldn't wish that experience on anybody. <laughs> well, but if someone is going through that, they can always approach you now. Yeah, I, yeah. I have a few lessons I yes. can share. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how would you define your management style? Um, I'm decisive, uh, demanding. Uh, I hold accountability very seriously. Uh, so decisive, demanding, and supportive. Mm -hmm. So at the end, we're a team. We're trying to make Sonara successful. Yeah. And on the flip side, what kind of people are you obviously you know, looking to hire to gel with that kind of a, right. a culture? So there are uh, three things that matter for me mm -hmm. uh, in any role that I hire. Mm -hmm. uh, one is values alignment. Mm -hmm. uh, at the heart of it, as humans, we uh, focus on trust, respect, right. and integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, that's core to any company, as right. core to any human being, mm -hmm. and, and that's important to me in anybody I hire, that there's alignment on those. The second is what I call behavioral alignment. Mm -hmm. 
And those are particularly for a startup, a sense of urgency, uh, you know, speed, uh, mm -hmm. accountability, uh, yeah. getting things done and mm -hmm. being committed to that, and teamwork, mm -hmm. collaborating. We're a small environment. Yeah. Uh, we can't afford prima donnas and big yeah. egos, so those things have to be left at the door. Yeah. So I look for that behavioral alignment. Are these people uh, who are aligned on these aspects? Yeah. And then the third is the functional discipline. You want somebody in their functional discipline who's way better than I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to be surrounded by people who are awesome in their respective roles. Yeah. So I look for those three things. Uh, the domain of functional expertise, the <coughs> behavioral alignment, and the values alignment. But I the number one is the values alignment. I see two of those up there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get shit done and no BS zone. No BS zone, <laughs> yeah. No, you got to be direct. You know, sometimes uh, people find that hard, yes. but being direct and constructive is better than avoiding things. Yes. You know, you solve problems faster. Agreed. And and I like the the clarity and the transparency around it. Right. Yeah. You're setting the right expectations. People know coming in, yeah. what we are delivering to, and if if that's not for you, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, what marks the difference between the times you have succeeded and and then the times that you haven't? Actually, three things. Mm -hmm. uh, one is the team. Uh, you have, or you can, if you assemble a good team, mm -hmm. most of the problems are solved. Right. You know, that's actually the first step towards success. The second is a value proposition that's compelling. Mm -hmm. If you have a me too value proposition, mm -hmm. it's very hard to succeed. Yep. You have to have a compelling value mm -hmm. proposition. And the third, and, and this is something I didn't realize. These two, over time, you get to realize. The third one I realized from experience. The third is uh, being in the market at the right time. Mm. And the market window is extremely critical. Yeah. If, the, if the market isn't there, or the customer's willingness or ability to spend in a particular category isn't there, it doesn't matter how great a team you have and how compelling the value proposition is, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. You know, we, we saw this, and I experienced this firsthand when I was running Jetstream. Mm -hmm. Super team, we built a great product, so, solid value proposition, we were winning all the customers, and then the telecom market crashed in 2001, and the entire market fizzled. So it didn't matter team or product, right. the market matters too. So you need all three. You need to hit the right market window, mm -hmm. you need to have a compelling value proposition, yeah. need to have a solid team. Great. Uh, You've held senior leadership positions and now you know, as an advisor, as a board member at uh, several large public and private companies, uh, Adaptive, Gridgrain, and, and so on. Uh, any specific observation, insight, or experience that you know kind of runs as an overarching theme that uh, you can share? Uh, I'd say um, it comes down to two things. Mm -hmm. Uh, one is the tone and culture in the company, mm -hmm. and the second is uh, whether you're in a growth environment or not. Right. Uh, if you have the right foundation, culture, and tone in the company, mm -hmm. and you're in a growing sector with the right proposition, mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. You know, um, I was fortunate uh, to be in companies like Hewlett Packard yeah. in the 80s when things were good, and yeah. at Adaptech in the 90s, and they were solid, fantastic experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, whether in startups and on the board of startups where you see a lot of passion and drive and energy, fantastic experiences. If I look at the negative experiences, it's usually companies that didn't have the right culture. Mm. So, that's, so that's I'd say it's culture comes first and then growth. 
culture eats strategy for lunch. Right. For breakfast, what is it? So we, we kind of touched upon this one, but uh, at a deeper level, what drives you? Is this uh, the need to uh, you know, impress someone or yourself consciously or subconsciously, or, or is there a different uh, energy that's, that's kind of... Hmm. I don't know if it's trying to impress someone. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's trying to impress me. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, really what drives me, and I, I, I take it in two phases. In, in the first phase, it was all about achievement. Uh, give your best and, and achieve something. Uh, but then later, it was all about learning. Mm -hmm. If if I got a chance to learn something new, yeah. it got me excited enough to go try it. So, obviously, it's not for the money. It's not for, you know, that's kind of behind you. That's why you came out of retirement. It was the right. excitement of, I get to do something new. It's Correct. like the the childlike energy is kind of... Yeah. That's, that's the drive. No, it's I the newness. It's the learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we all... If you think about us as kids, yeah. uh, in zero, especially in the zero to five, yep. it, it's just sheer joy yep. because every day you're learning something. And that's the best thing. And, and that's, and that's the best awesome, right? Yeah. And and later, as you find yourself, and I find tremendous energy when I'm learning or doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. What's your guiding principle or or a motto or purpose statement? Uh, I'll phrase it in two different ways. Mm -hmm. One. Uh, give your best yep. and the rest gets just taken care of yep. or as the Gita says uh, yep. uh, that's my guiding principle yep. and uh, I've learned it over and over in life in many different perspectives in many it different ways it comes down to that yeah. yeah so outside of you know work and all the serious stuff uh, and maybe I should pre-qualify swimming doesn't count swimming doesn't count <laughs> what okay. do you do for fun <laughs> uh, travel and hiking okay I, I love being in the outdoors yeah. uh, told you earlier yeah. Yosemite was one of my f yes. favorite places yeah. I love visiting national parks and mm -hmm. beautiful nature sites uh, yeah. around the world okay yeah. and uh, any specific hikes you did in the recent past you want to talk about well the most recent one was the panorama trail uh, mm -hmm. at Yosemite yeah. uh, which I do at least once a year Nice. Uh, but the mo one of the most memorable ones uh, two years ago when we went to Patagonia. Oh yeah. Uh, we those hikes were just simply phenomenal, yeah. amazing. Out of this world. Yeah, out of yeah. this world. Yeah. Have you used a coach or a mentor uh, along this journey? I did. Uh, uh, in the nineties uh, was probably the only time I had a formal coach. Mm -hmm. uh, Adaptech had an executive coach that worked with all the execs uh, on the team. Okay. And that was the only time I worked with someone formally. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the time is just ad hoc. You, you reach out to someone right. by association. You say, okay, I can learn something and go ask the person a right. few tips, questions, et cetera. So those are varied over time. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely at Adaptech, I had that formal coach. And, um, and he was actually very instrumental in a key choice in, in my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when I went, I mean, until then, I'd only been in large and mid-sized companies. Mm -hmm. And yet I was in Silicon Valley, the hotbed of mm -hmm. innovation. Yeah. And it was, uh, and as I was talking to him about various things and next steps in my career, uh, he asked me a question that I reflected on. And that then led me to be open to mm -hmm. uh, startup. startup opportunities. And then I jumped in and took that s couple of startups. And then after that, went back to Adaptech. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, and then back your, that horizons. it just opened the horizons right. uh, because startups were a possibility. Right. Now, unlike some of the entrepreneurs who are founders and take risk at the very idea stage to mm -hmm. say, okay, I am, uh, uh, I've got this nugget of an idea that yeah. I'm going to then build around. Right. I'm not that kind of entrepreneur. Yeah. I yeah. love startups. Uh, I come in as CEO usually at a Series B stage right. where and some, of, and then right. you scale. Right. Yeah. And you know, we, we talked about this briefly. There is a, a distinction between entrepreneurs of the kind that get stuck on a problem and, and kind of devote their life, or at least that part of their life, to figuring out the solution. Mm -hmm. And then there are entrepreneurs that are able to help with the operational aspects mm -hmm. and scaling the business, understanding the product market fit. Right. And that distinction needs to be understood. And, and the sooner you understand what kind you are, right. the more successful you are. E exactly. And the ones who are able to make that transition right. are able to lead in, in the organization yeah. through their life. And right. we have examples of that uh, in, in tech. Yeah. And others make transitions or changes. Right. Yeah. How has your Indian ethnicity shaped you in your decisions, in business, in personal life? Uh, what, I mean, even if it means you know it has hindered you in some places or pushed you in some others and made you more successful? So, uh, I wouldn't say it's ever hindered me. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've been fortunate that I worked in a tech culture, and mm -hmm. tech culture, for the most part, has been very open, and it's always about mm -hmm. what you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, often, the, the things that have helped me generally, if you think about our upbringing, mm -hmm. is this ability to deal with adversity, yes. the ability to deal with challenges. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we talk about it in, in things like, uh, kismet or fate, yeah. but r really underlying that, the real statement is uh, learn to accept and deal with things outside your control. Yes. Yeah. Right? The things in your control, you still want to drive and right. dr make things happen, mm -hmm. but things outside your control, learn to recognize and mm -hmm. accept them and move on. This too yeah. shall pass yes. kind of thing. Yeah. And and that's definitely one of the inherent things uh, that's in me, and it's I think it came, it's ingrained right. from right. the way we grew up. Right. Uh, and so this notion of Everything isn't going to go your way, so, right. so adapt and adjust and accept. And I think that goes very well with you know this world that we live in in the innovation tech where yeah. things look amazing, promising one second, and then the second. That's know, right. It's like this is a disaster. Right. And I've lived it yes. in <laughs> some of the startups. <laughs> I've, I've lived it. So. Uh. So, you know, you've you've had an amazing career path. Uh, you've hustled. You've made it. Uh, I'm speaking on your behalf, I'm right. guessing you've made it. <laughs> uh, I have. I mean, yes. uh, I am way beyond anything I dreamt of when I came mm -hmm. to this country. Yeah. yeah. So going from all of that to you know this phase of your life where you're still hustling in some ways, but you're also looking back and paying it forward and, and giving it away, right? right. So kind of that philanthropic side of you. So talk to us a bit about, uh, you know, what do you think, and, and what's the thought process behind it? Well, uh, you know, when you when you look around you, mm -hmm. um, here, I mean, you regularly go to India or even other places, South America, Africa, you uh, you recognize how fortunate you are. Yes. And uh, when you look back, you, you realize uh, a lot of that was the result of other people helping you out yes. in uh, direct and indirect mm -hmm. ways. And so, at some point in your life, you say, "Look, I got to do my part." Yes with the next generation, right. uh, whether that's giving your time, whether it's mentoring, whether it's giving money, uh, et cetera. 
So, so that's kind of always spurred me that mm -hmm. uh, we aren't an island, yeah. and it's our job to help uh, the underprivileged as well. So, so I've been active in some nonprofits uh, to help underprivileged children in India, an organization mm -hmm. like Pratham, yeah. and I've also been active in uh, with my IIT alumni yeah. organization. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of who I am today is because of the mm -hmm. training I got yes. there. And, and uh, the network maybe, right? And the, ne the network has been yeah. immensely useful. Yeah. And so giving back there is an important thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm also on the board of the IIT Madras Foundation yeah. Yeah. and helping alumni uh, find ways to give back because we want to make that a world-class institution yeah. as well. So well, thank you for all you do. We I, I know we as a community have done a lot, but yeah. we can do a lot more. And I know you have been a champion bringing a lot of people back in. Yeah. You were instrumental in getting Sundar last year to come uh, talk at Pratham. So thank you for all you do. Uh, what are you most excited about in life, like generally, right now? Practically everything. <laughs> I mean, at, at this stage, you, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's an amazing stage in my life, yes. right? Uh, uh, my kids are grown yes. on their own feet. Uh, yes. I get to travel. I get to choose the jobs I want. Uh, you know, you can't ask for anything better. Uh, I'm uh, very blessed and thankful for all the opportunities and the people who have helped me along the way. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. a great place to be in. Yeah. Any practical or philosophical advice for other entrepreneurs or other people that are considering entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. looking at this journey and kind of questioning should be or should be not? Right. So there are, uh, you know, two types of entrepreneurial businesses. Mm -hmm. and I'll talk to the tech side because mm -hmm. that's the one I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, and in, in tech entrepreneurship, we often get carried away by the technology itself yep. because we're all geeks at heart. We yep. get carried away. And one of the fundamental lessons is it doesn't matter how cool your technology or product is. Mm -hmm. If customers don't care, it doesn't matter. Yep. So, so understanding that customer insight, understanding what they're really looking for mm -hmm and delivering, developing that compelling solution. Uh, be very brutal about saying, is this truly making a 10x difference yeah. uh, in the value that the customer perceives? Yeah. Uh, then you have a shot at it, and you have to have incredible patience and perseverance, mm -hmm. because a lot of things will go wrong along yes. the way, and you have to have the conviction and the drive to stay at it yeah. to, to make something happen. And you know things may still fail, and and the beauty of startups, and particularly Silicon Valley, is failure is okay. Yeah. Uh, you learn from it, yeah. you dust off, and go try again in yeah. a, in a different idea or startup. You yeah. you didn't lose anything. You just yeah. gained experience. You just gained experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Perfect. Well, yeah, um, there's no such thing as failure. Is yeah. uh, is just uh, a set of actions that didn't yield the result you wanted. So and you, you go, go learn again. from it, yeah. and you go at it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sundi. This was amazing. Um, okay. I'm really thankful for you to take the time and join us yep. and for sharing you know, your wisdom and, and what you've learned with us. Well, I hope this, this helps some people and uh, this sure has been a will. delightful session as well. Uh, very insightful questions. Uh, Thank you. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Thanks. Nitin. Great to see you. Take care, guys.